Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste 360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. I hope you've been enjoying our series of Waste Expo Together Online sessions that we've reimagined into podcasts. They've been really great, and I hope you have enjoyed them as much as we have. This next one is the role of technology for independent haulers. And this one really digs into, do you need the types of technology that the larger companies do? What will give you an advantage? What don't you need? And just, you'll you'll be amazed at uh, the takeaways that you'll gain from this. So please enjoy and happy holidays. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us. It's been a challenging year for everyone, and I trust everyone's staying safe. My name is David Ishii, and I'm the head of business development for AMCS. I want to first welcome our panel, as well as our audience, to today's session. Today, thank you for joining us. The topic of our discussion today is going to be focused on the role of technology, specifically within the independent hauler community. Technology is playing a key role in both our personal and professional lives these days, and specifically within our industry, technology continues to evolve and change the way that we work. So what's the impact of the changing face of technology uh, on the independent hauler community? Today, we're going to dig deeper into that question and discuss technology from the perspective of our panel members, which I'll have the pleasure of introducing. I'm going to start with Alex. Alex Carrasquillo is joining us from All Waste Incorporated, based out of Hartford, Connecticut. And Alex has been with All Waste since 2007. Alex currently serves as the Fleet Technology Manager. Alex has significant experience within the fleet technology application sector, as well as the CNG technology space. His experience comes from overseeing the implementation of multiple CNG fueling stations, as well as over 50 CNG vehicles. He's an expert when it comes to everything on board the truck. This is ranging from tablets integrated with onboard scale systems, vehicle monitoring and diagnostic software, as well as multiple safety warning systems. So Alex will serve as a liaison throughout his company, working with all cross-functional departments requiring technology day-to-day. Alex, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, David. Next, I'd like to introduce Matt Coulter. Matt joins us from PDA Area Companies based out of Peoria, Illinois. Matt is the Vice President of Sales and Strategic Operations for PDC. Matt has worked for PDC for over 17 years, and as a VP, he's heavily involved in setting the long-term strategic vision and planning for the organization. Matt plays an instrumental role in driving improvement and efficiency within his company. Outside of work and his leadership position in PDC, Matt's very active in his community. Matt sits as a board member of the St. Francis Foundation, as well as an active leader in the United Way Business Services Campaign. Matt has served the industry as past chairman of the Independent Waste Haulers Association. So you can see from Matt's professional and volunteer commitments, they are among his top priorities. 
I don't know if you can see in the background there, I think Matt will tell you his most valuable role is as a leader and devoted family man to his wife and six children. Matt, it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it, David. Next, I'm going to move over to Kevin Atkinson. On your, Kevin joins us from Houston, Texas. Kevin is the proud owner and president of Texas Pride Disposal. Kevin's roots go way back in the industry, back to his childhood. Uh, Kevin, I guess you spent your days chasing garbage trucks up and down the street. Is that right? That is correct. I was All right. So that's that's where the waste industry first set your hook into you. Is that is that correct? Yes, sir. That's it. All right. As, as Kevin got older, he never completely outgrew his fascination and passion for the waste industry. He earned his way through college working on the back of a garbage truck for Waste Corporation of America, where he was brought in as a trainee after completing school. Hmm. Kevin, you must have quickly accelerated in your role. In 2013, Kevin left WCA and co-founded Texas Pride Disposal. What started as a two-truck operation has grown into the premier independent solid waste collection company in the greater Houston area. Kevin's company proudly serves over 230,000 customers. Kevin, a pleasure to have you. Likewise, appreciate it. And Bella, you know I'm, I'm going to save the best for last, right? <laughs> we'll see. Bill White comes to us from Jefferson, Indiana. Bill's the president and owner of Estes Waste Solutions. Bill has worked and served the banking industry for over 30 years. At the young age of 33, Bill founded his own bank holding company, which he later sold, and subsequently became the CEO of another financial institution. Bill is currently a board member and market president of the Commerce Bank in Clarksville, Indiana. Bill, I know you and your family have served the waste and environmental industry for many years. Your latest venture, Estes Waste Solution, serves Louisville, Kentucky market, as well as the Southern Indiana market. And I know your company has grown uh, exponentially since it was first started in 2014. You know, Bill, you come to us highly qualified. Your MBA from Bellarmine University after completing an undergraduate degree from Eastern Kentucky University, where you were recognized as a distinguished alumni in 2007. Appreciate having you, Bill. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys. All right, good. So based on the qualifications that I just presented during our introductions here, I'm pretty confident that we have the right people in place for this discussion. I wanted to, I wanted to kick it off, and the first question that I have uh, is going to go out to all of our panel members here. Our, our topic is technology. This is a very broad topic here, so I'd like to narrow things down. I'm wondering if you could tell us about the functional areas in your business where technology is most utilized, or on the other side of things, conversely, where technology may, may be underutilized. And if you could just speak in general terms of the functional groups such as marketing, sales, operations, finance, and accounting. Bill, we left off with you. Why don't you start off and we'll go clockwise from there. Sure. Thanks, David. I, I will tell you that Estes Waste has embraced technology since we re-entered the business back in 2014. And so uh, our short answer is technology. We use technology in all areas of our business, but I would say it has the biggest effect in terms of our operational areas um, and, and more recently even in our service department where we have um, invested a lot of money in technology that allows us to do any and all types of monitoring and measuring of our 
our guys and our fleet when they're out on the road. And, and for us, that's a game changer. Um, we knew from prior experience that not having adequate technology resources available, or maybe to, to say it a different way, not embracing the technology that was available made our jobs more difficult. And often as one of the smaller players uh, in our area, if you're not using technology to make you the most efficient you can be, it's really hard to compete with the largest in the industry. And in our case, we have um, waste management, uh, Republic Services, Rumpke and others in our market that are always formidable competitors. And we have to realize that we're competing with their technology as well. And David, your company has been a big boost to us in the last three years, especially. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Bill. Kevin, you want to take it from there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for us, it's been a, it's been interesting going from from the two truck operation that we started as uh, when when we acquired the uh, the assets of the small company uh, uh, that we, we we formed Texas Pride Disposal with. Um, our billing system was a homemade Microsoft Access based uh, program. So uh, kids, pull out your Encarta and look that up. Um, it's uh, the very first thing we did was uh, look for a uh, you know a back office software solution. We did truthfully almost two years of homework on that, um, getting that in place, and then with our with our growth, especially over the last few years, our, our exponential growth, we um, didn't necessarily embrace the the uh, full capacity of of that system to the degree that we we probably could have been and should have been. And so, you know, as of as of now, we're we're really trying to dive back into maximizing the use of of those systems. Um, you know, the bigger we've gotten, the more people we've added. Uh, you realize the value um, that those systems uh, have in, in keeping everybody connected and on the same page. Um, you know, moving from a you know a route map that's stuffed in a drawer or in a Microsoft Word document to all being in that one system is is crucial, especially the bigger you get. The other side of that, we, we've had GPS on our trucks for the last four or five years. Um, we're in the process of installing uh, exterior cameras on all of our trucks right now. Um, you know, it, it definitely can be a barrier, especially as a smaller business. But uh, the bigger we've, we've the, the more we've grown, uh, you realize that from both a, a customer service standpoint as well as as a uh, a labor standpoint, whether it's checking on a customer that said they were missed and being able to see that they they just didn't have their trash out uh, on time, uh, or, or checking bad behaviors from a from a safety perspective, all those things add up to a better experience for both uh, you know our staff and and more importantly the customer. Okay, thank you, Kevin. Alex, I'll let you add to that. Yeah, so uh, we we also use technology and pretty much all the departments here at All Waste. Uh, our dispatchers, for instance, use GPS monitoring systems, probably similar to what Kevin was saying. Uh, we use those GPS monitoring systems just to track the trucks on the route, uh, see where they are and how their day is going. Um, we use, in our safety department, we're always looking for new tech to keep the truck and drivers safer on the road. Uh, we use heavily uh, dash cams, uh, backup cameras. We use uh, preview sensors for uh, just backing up and preventing accidents that way. Um, we use uh, in, like in our marketing department, we're using drone footage uh, just to record our trucks in action, and we post that on our social media platforms. And a lot of customers actually uh, will comment on it, and they like those videos, and they want to see more. So um, 
the other big one that we really use technology as in my specialty is in the maintenance department. We, we have a lot of uh, new tools and new equipment like uh, truck lifts that uh, make the job done more efficiently and safer for the technicians' bodies and it's just safer all around. We use uh, laptops for check engine light diagnostics that a couple years ago we didn't have and we're able to perform a lot more work in-house keeping the trucks on the road. We even we have a lot of invested in our uh, scale systems on the front loaders, which helps sales uh, make deals and sell more uh, sell more to get more uh, business. So we're, we're always utilizing all the technology, and these are all things that in the in the maintenance shop, as far as that goes, we haven't had those 10 years ago. This is all stuff that's new, and it's it's still going to keep going. Okay, great, Matt. Yeah, I think where I'm going to focus is uh, more on the uh, on the software side and things we're doing on the accounting side. I think we all know because we're all operationally driven, uh, we all have made investments uh, on the operational side with uh, routing software, onboard cameras, you name it. But uh, for us, I think investments we made prior to the effects of what COVID's had on our industry uh, from a back office uh, perspective uh, we, we did some online uh, ordering of uh, uh, roll-off containers, some software we added. Uh, actually, it was late last year without even knowing that this was going to happen. And one of the effects of the uh, virus has been, you know, temporary roll-off sales has been uh, one of the hot spots and one of the growing parts uh, probably throughout the country because people have been at home and doing projects uh, while, they're, while they're at home. And then the other thing is we upgraded some purchasing software uh, that allowed us to uh, automate and reduce some of the workflow that we have with staffing issues uh, at our own company and try to get a streamline of, we've got about 19 different offices. And once you had bills going to those individual offices, it became a mess and, and you lose a lot of uh, traction. And uh, so we've done some uh, financial uh, purchasing software that's made us a little bit more efficient, uh, been able to do work remotely a lot more often. And then uh, let's be honest, I think all of us have uh, have changed in the industry with using Microsoft Teams and Zoom and, and other ways of meeting with our customers and doing stuff more effectively that we've learned through this uh, uh, pandemic. So uh, we're also learning as we go. Okay, that's great. So it's really interesting to hear some of the common answers, which is which is what I would expect. You know, most of the companies have adopted uh, a back office system but it was really interesting to hear some of the other uh, functional groups where uh, technology is also taking a role. What I really heard was, you know, technology seems to focus on revenue, customer service, and operations and safety. Uh, is that a safe assumption? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And what, Kevin, what I'm really curious about is that there's other other groups like marketing and sales that I didn't really hear too much about, you know, and I'm curious from your perspective, why is that? You know, what's the real decision-making process in saying that these technology dollars are going to go to this specific functional group and leave another specific functional group out of the equation? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I, you know, I think for, for every business, that's probably uh, a decision that, that the business themselves uh, make internally. You know, from our from our standpoint, you know, obviously safety is probably one that is core to, to every business that that drives a lot of these decisions. 
Um, but from our standpoint also, you know, customer, the customer experience, um, trying to facilitate uh, that experience uh, to, to simplify, um, you know, a, a perfect example right now is, you know, we, we've got a hurricane that's, that's going to be blowing through here in 12 hours. And, uh, you know, we, we've got messages up on Facebook. We've got messages up on uh, our web page. We, we were able to do a, a blast through our, our billing software for the people that are subscribed to it, letting them know, um, you know, this is what our tentative schedule is. Uh, this is what to expect. Changes we posted to our website, to our Facebook page. Um, so, you know, from, from our standpoint, we really, safety is obviously the number one piece of that puzzle, but the customer experience and truly on that, what that really translates to as well is, is again, the, uh, the ease of use on the backside, you know, my, my staff that's working directly with our customers, whether that be the guys in those trucks driving by or my customer service staff, you know, that, that customer experience right there is, is a big factor that drives our decisions in, in what types of technology to implement. Understand. All right. I appreciate that. It, it all goes back to the customer at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Um, Matt, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to kind of, you'll probably have some, uh, some cross uh, answers here, but I, I was just going to uh, probe you a little bit. I'm, I, was, I was not going to ask you for any trade secrets or anything, but based on your history in the industry, I was wondering if you could maybe give some examples of how technology has really, really, really improved the business or in your estimation, giving, giving you a little bit of a competitive edge in the, in the marketplace that you serve? Sure. You know, uh, for us, uh, and we're, we're a little bit different than most independents, we have uh, three solid waste landfills. So we're able to keep, you know, landfill costs somewhat controlled, uh, even though that, you know, that can be a, a different uh, business dynamic as well. But, uh, you know, technology has been important for us in our marketplace to be able to re remain competitive with uh, the national players. And if we didn't have uh, automated trucks today, and one of the big investments we did back in 2012, uh, and Alex got, has the background on it, is compressed natural gas vehicles. So for us in central Illinois, we went to compressed natural gas because we knew it was a thing that, you know, could help us, you know, with city contracts and, and, and also with big industrial accounts to be able to compete a little bit better uh, with, uh, with those national players. And that gave us a competitive advantage uh, when diesel fuel pricing was, you know, for the most part in the early two or in the recent 2000s, not with uh, the current pandemic, but you're talking 350 to $4 a gallon diesel price. Mm -hmm. So with CNG, uh, that gave us a big cost uh, advantage versus those national players when we did a long-term contract and we had fixed costs with, with fuel, which they did not, they had variable. So that was probably the biggest uh, technological win that we've done recently uh, in the marketplace. And now recently, you know, the investment of onboard computers so that we can keep track, keep, keep our drivers safe and make sure that uh, uh, we're doing things as efficiently as we can out on the street. I was just curious when you mentioned that competitive advantage, is that is that a long lived competitive advantage or, you know, yeah. have, they, uh, have, have they caught up to you? No, they have not. And, you know, Central Illinois is, is more of a rural marketplace. It's not the big city marketplace that you would see in, in Chicago or, or Houston for that for that fact. So they have, you know, stations up in those big markets, but uh, there is not another compressed natural gas station uh, within about a hundred mile radius from us. So uh, it, it truly gives us the advantage in the local marketplace. Okay, very good. 
Kevin, I'm wondering if you can share any examples of the same. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have two cities starting in the next, uh, really the next 30 days. We start the uh, city of Katy next week and we start the city of Alvin the uh, uh, October 1st. And, you know, similarly in both of our, uh, you know, the bid process, the interview process with both those cities, one thing that really caught both cities attention was the exterior cameras that we're putting on our trucks. Um, you know, both are coming from situations that had automated service being provided um, and, and not being, un- being able to understand why residents would call constantly for, uh, for missed services. Um, whether it be in that cart or a resident, you know, leaving a bag next to the cart, not understanding the process. And so being able to provide, you know, on-demand data uh, for residents that call and say, hey, my trash was missed. You know, we can pull that video clip up, have it up in 30 seconds, email that clip to the city or to the customer. Um, that was a big driving factor that really helped us win those those two city contracts. Um, you know, the irony is we're, we're running through there with with manual service moving forward, which, you know, some would argue that's a step away from uh, the technology. But uh, those cameras on those trucks were, were a big driver in, I think, uh, winning both of those those city contracts for us. No, under, yeah, definitely understood. What I'm really curious about is how would you have done it without technology? Uh, you know, that's a good question. You know, unless uh, we've got a supervisor following every truck in, in those cities, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think we would have uh, been in a position to uh, to win those those contracts. You know, I think uh, the, the big guys, Waste Connections and Republic and Waste Management all bid on this, uh, uh, these contracts. And, um, you know, they all have their, uh, obviously, their, their breadth of uh, technology at their fingertips. So the packages they can put in front of any any city in the country, really, um, you know, compared to a, a small independent at the end of the day, uh, they can make things look real pretty uh, very easily. And, and so I, I do think that, you know, without those cameras, I think it would have been a, uh, I, I don't think, you know, whether it's one or both of them, we, we may not be uh, in the same position we are right now. Yeah, very good. Alex, I'd like to, to turn to you and bring you into the fold here. Alex, it's been my experience that quite often when implementing technology that may be designed for a specific purpose, the introduction of said technology sometimes has a ripple effect on other parts of the business. So I was curious, based on your experience, if you might be able to talk to any situations where implementing technology for a specific purpose may have had either unexpected benefits or conversely unexpected repercussions on other parts of the business. Yeah, uh, so when we got the dash cams uh, that record the driver and record out front of the truck, we originally bought those just strictly to train the drivers, coach them better, uh, you know, improve the mistakes they were making on the road. Um, there was one incident a while ago where we were cut off in, a, in an accident and the driver was involved in a rollover crash. Uh, we were able to take that video and prove that we weren't at fault, and that possibly saved us a $150,000 claim. So that showed like an immediate return uh, investment on the dash cam purchase. Um, it, it was a big purchase to make, and that right there saved us in a, a lot. Um, another another thing that uh, to touch on what Kevin was saying, uh, if it's a misstop to where the driver uh, customer might call and say you missed my can or something. We can show the footage saying the can wasn't out or there was a car block there. Um, we've gotten a lot of, we were able to defend our drivers now when someone calls in and says, oh, you, you damaged my boat or my car that was on my property. And we can go back to the camera, 
find that boat had that scratch on it before we even got there. And a lot of times the customer will back down at that point or not even want to see the video because they, they know they're not really truthful on it. So <laughs> it, it's, it's helped us a lot to defend the drivers and save us in case of accidents. But when we first bought it, it was mostly just trainer, uh, coaching them and having them drive better on the road. Um, that was like one, that was the first one. Uh, another example is when we got Cummins, we got Cummins uh, natural gas trucks. We got the Cummins software to work on the check engine lights. So we got that software just to work on the check engine lights and troubleshoot and try to fix the trucks in house. Uh, that led us to working with the dealers more, working with the manufacturer more, asking questions. They started offering us training. We got uh, online courses that all the guys, all the technicians can use in the shop. And that eventually led us to working even closer with Cummins and testing some of their products out. So they would have new products that aren't even out yet. Uh, we're able to test for them. Um, right now we have a test engine in one of our roll-offs. Uh, they're trying to improve the exhaust system on it. So we're going to run that for a good year or so. And then they'll put our original engine back in. Then we got to use their equipment free for a year. And, um, you know, it, when we bring a truck to their shop, we have a partnership with them now where they really take care of us and we do what we can to help them. So those are some good benefits that we weren't really expecting to gain when we originally bought the technology. Alex, those are great uh, examples of how implementing technology just has a ripple effect through the business. Uh, Bill, I was wondering if you could share any examples of yours. Sure, I would echo what Alex said on the on the service software. We recently invested in the same thing for our uh, service department, and it's been amazing not only how it helped us become a lot more efficient, but it reduced our, our service costs because we weren't having, in some cases, to pay other people to come in and do things that we didn't um, we just didn't have the capacity to assess on our own. So that was that was a big financial benefit um, for us. I think um, one of the things that two things that come to mind when I think about benefits of technology that we didn't anticipate. One is GPS software. We've also been running that for about six years, and we found that having the ability to pull up on our phones or our computers, our trucks at any given time, or respond again when a when someone would call and complain about a driver maybe driving erratically or doing something crazy, it, it served two purposes. Number one, to be able to respond and defend our drivers when maybe they weren't and our data showed that. Or two, to make our drivers aware of how serious we took safety and safety issues. So for us, that was big. David, the second thing was um, when we switched to trucks from our prior vendor, and we implemented the tablet software for routing, that was a big game changer for us. The ability to just put together a lot more efficient routes, um, to, to manage our time. It, you know, We expected to get more efficient routes, but what we didn't necessarily uh, anticipate was the financial benefit on the backside just by embracing that. And as I'm sure all of the others on the panel have experienced. Whenever you bring in new technology or new systems into our industry, there's often pushback, whether it's from drivers or service techs or other co-owners of the business. And, and once they saw the benefit, it's amazing how now it's just become second nature. But initially there was a whole lot of pushback. Uh, no, that makes sense. I, when I listen to this, I just the summary of, you know, a picture shows tells a thousand words here is is when it when a customer calls and says your driver didn't pick me up in the morning and you're able to turn around and 
and show them proof with a picture that has a Latin long and a timestamp on it, it it really puts things in perspective here of how technology has really changed the business. Hey, David, especially when they're city council members. <laughs> I think we've exactly. all gone through that. Yes, exactly. You know, so having that proof of proof of service and having, like you say, to defend yourself is critical. David, so, we used it. We've also used it. I, I forgot to mention on overloads on the front load side of our business. Our ability to snap a picture and our drivers uh, do it regularly, so we know the frequent offenders, and they'll argue all day long until we send them a picture, and then they just throw up their hands and say, "Okay, you got me." So they have they have to accept it, and then they also ex- have to accept the extra charge that's going to come on the invoice. Isn't that right, Bill? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bill. While I have you, I think that we'll all agree that most companies these days have adopted you know technology in some shape or form. This is evident just by from our discussions here, but I'm wondering if you could maybe speak to any part of the business or a specific technological solution that is just out of the reach, you know, for some of the independent haulers. Anything that you've come across, maybe techno- technological hurdles where either due to size or complexity that it's just something that is, it's not consumable by companies of our size. Sure. I, I think for, for my business, and we're, again, based on listening to everyone else, I'm sure we're the smallest on the panel. Um, one of the things I've had a great interest in for years, and, and it's just been cost prohibitive, is the tracking devices for roll-off boxes. I know that we have the ability with tablets to maybe do some of that, but sometimes our our guys aren't as good with dropping pins every time they move a box, and inventory of those inevitably is a nightmare. For most of the small independents I talk to, they struggle with that. It's easier maybe with resi cans or front load cans, but on the roll-off side, it is not unusual for most haulers to occasionally get a call from someone and, and say something along the lines of, hey, you know, I've had this box here for a couple months. Are you guys going to move it? And you, you know, you, you hear that and you think, what do you mean we've had a box there for a yeah. couple of months? The ability to quickly go and check that would be huge. I know it's out there, but each time I've looked into it for the past three years, especially, it just seems like it's it's a little beyond um, reasonable uh, cost for most independents. Interesting. You know, so so you just gave us an example of technology that is there to serve a specific problem, but you're hesitant because you're not seeing the value or the potential return on investment from it. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, I'm wondering if you could add to that. Yeah, you know, ironically, it's uh, it's one of those things that we we with the city we start in October, we start roll off services as well. And as as an independent, you know, you, you put a residential trash cart out and you got a deposit against it. You put a front load container out at somebody's business. You usually can can uh, take care of that as well. But you're putting out a three four thousand dollar asset with a roll off box. It's a it's a much different uh, game than a fifty dollar trash can or a four hundred dollar dumpster. Um, so we've looked into those exact same solutions and, and again, it's one of those things that trying to find a solution that, you know, has a battery that will last for an extended period or has a signal that can read through, you know, trying to hide it into a, a spot in the roll off box. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge that we've, uh, we've looked at as well. Um, still looking for a solution, trying to work with our, our, our GPS, uh, group on a solution for it, as well as our container, ma- container manufacturer. But um yeah i mean there's there's a market that you want to talk about you know 
instead of running a garbage business, run a roll-off tracking business. We, we might all be in the wrong line of work right here. So. Now listen, listen, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to make a note of that one, okay? <laughs> That's good. Uh, Kevin, while I have you here, obviously our discussion is focused on the, the independent hauler. And just by our discussions here, we see plenty of examples of industry companies that have started off small like yours and scaled to a fairly significant size. Now, I, I come from this industry as well, and I've often wondered if technology needs of companies differs based on the size and the scale of the company, or is it basically technology can fit any size company? So, Matt, I'm just going to turn it to you to see, in your opinion, are there specific unique needs as an independent hauler that might differ, say, from a, a large publicly traded company? Well, I don't think it will surprise you that, you know, and I think uh, Kevin said it earlier, but most independent companies, and especially ones we acquire, typically do not have software that is, is even to our standards. Uh, I, I've even made one acquisition in the early 2000s that their customer list was on uh, was in a spiral notebook. Uh -huh. uh, and that's just not the way we can operate today. So, uh, our, our needs are, uh, I think, very similar today uh, to the national companies, just because uh, we need that quick access to data and we need to be able to uh, have very similar systems to be able to compete and, and lower our co uh, cost structures uh, with them. So uh, I think you're going to continue. Our company, we've always, I, I feel like we've been behind the times for a large independent. So we're going to keep pushing uh, ways to make uh, help have technology help us get more efficient throughout every part of our business. Uh, and that's tough to do when it comes from a, and, and I'm sure some of you understand this, but you come from a, you were a fourth generation family business that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't even have everybody on the same operating system. So we're still uh, gaining that knowledge uh, of technology, but it's becoming more and more important on a daily basis for us. Okay, thank you, Matt. Kevin, do you want to chime in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think I think Matt kind of nailed that. We we all have similar needs. Um, I, I think uh, the challenge is is and, and we went through it. I mean, I you know can personally attest to it. The fear of the the capital that that can sometimes be required. That you know, you look at the the cost to implement um, a GPS system or a back office software system. And you're talking typically, you know, even for a small company, a five-figure commitment there. Um, and when you're looking at, uh, especially in, in growth mode, uh, money that could be spent on trucks or containers or, or, you know, something besides a solution like that, I think you you have blinders on it sometimes to the to the to the fact that those tools, while not necessarily generating revenue, can save you a lot of money in the long term, whether it be, you know, additional uh, people in the office uh, answering phones or providing customer service, uh, you know, it could be an additional truck that you can postpone putting out there because the uh, the routing portion of that can, can save for you. Um, so I think there's always a, an underlying fear of, you know, we're too small to, to implement something like this. We're too, um, we, we don't need this, our, our system of having it in our notebook or having it in our, our Word document works just fine. But at the end of the day, I, I think people, uh, once you start utilizing it and you realize the benefits of it, um, it's it's just, you know, you go back and uh, looking backwards 2020, but 
it's it's something that I wish we had we did a pretty good job of implementing it, but I wish we had, had really just committed to it 110% out of the gate and ran with it. Because again, we're, we're doing a lot of cleanup even right now. Um, and it just feels like something that you're always kind of chasing your tail once you get behind on it. But it does have tremendous benefits. Uh, and again, I, I think that whether it's a, a five truck operation or a 5,000 truck operation, those benefits are there to be, to be had. Is that your experience as well, Bill? I would say it is, but I'm going to I'm going to change gears for a second and put on my banker hat and and share that you know, I've been in community banking for 32 years. And, and as such, I've always competed with the largest players in the industry. And one of the things I learned about 30 years ago was in order to compete with the big guys, you had to be able to move quickly. And the only way we could do that was to embrace technology. And so my experience in banking run a, running a small bank even though they're polar opposite industries one is dressed like me and one's a look like my guys today that would be in their safety gear it, it, the issues are the same you know as the independence of the waste industry we have to compete the same way the big guys do and they have much more resources and and access to capital than any of us will ever have and so the only way we can compete, in my opinion, and I'm echoing what the other guy said, is embracing technology and overcoming that natural tendency amongst most mom and pop owners, which is to say, no, we can't afford that. I would argue that in many cases, you can't afford not to, because continuing to do it the old way in a spiral bound notebook without a, a, a common connected system it, it, you may think it's helping you, but it's really not because you're missing the ability to capture data and respond quickly to it. And those companies that don't do that, again, I see it daily in my banking life, really struggle against those who embrace technology and move quickly. Again, as small independents, we have the ability to move much faster than the largest players in the industry. And if we'll do that, that's our competitive advantage. You know, they for them to do something to make a, a system-wide change is like moving a battleship. For us, it's like moving a jet ski. We just get yeah. on and go. Sage advice from a banker. Bill, yeah. I appreciate that. Cash and trash. Exactly. I, I was doing a little bit of reading just before we started here, and uh, there's an article that kind of jumped out at me. Uh, it's, it's really not specific to the waste industry or even technology projects, but it's more associated with project management. And the, st the statistic that I read was staggering. It said over 70% of organizations have suffered at least one project failure in the past 12 months. And I'm just, I'm just thinking as we discuss here, you know, it's not my intention to dig into any details of projects that may have gone sideways here, but Alex or Matt, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that statistic. Does it resonate with with your experience in implementing projects, have you ever had something go bad or something that you tried to implement where it, you know, it just didn't give you the expected results? Hey, Alex, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, yeah, so we, with technology, it's always changing, it's always improving. There's always a trial and error stage when you first started getting into it. Uh, here at Always, we, we went through a, uh, a long course of trying to get the scale system on our front loaders. Uh, to find one that actually worked and we liked. We've tried multiple scales and this takes time and investment to put on our current fleet. Uh, within a couple of weeks or months, you find out that the scales just aren't working right. They're not working for what you want. Now you got to rip everything back off that you just invested in. 
uh, we finally found a, a good scale that we liked and we're continuing to work with and install on our trucks. But there's always a trial and error stage where you find one, it doesn't work. You got to be ready to move on from it. You don't have to settle with it. You don't have to uh, just say, well, this is the best we can get. There's always, it's always improving. Um, there's a scale company out right now that next year there might be one even bigger and better. So don't ever think you have to settle for it or uh, just be okay with it. Um, and another, another one that I would say, it's not really the technology is not as successful. It's more of like a drawback or like an inconvenience for mostly in the maintenance shop was the safety that we put on our trucks. Well, we're very strict on driver accountability and we have, we load the trucks up with safety devices, the cameras, dash cams, sensors, backup beepers, all these alarms. If we put so much technology into it that if one doesn't work, we tell the driver do not take that truck out. So now we have uh, downtime on a truck. We send, a, we send them with a spare. We're lucky to have spares. Um, but we do have technicians pretty much around, around the clock here on site. So they'll have to stay late at night to repair a cable, repair a camera, repair uh, a backup alarm. Or we have guys early in the morning that will have to repair these, these systems before that truck even leaves, the, leaves our yard. So it's kind of an inconvenience, not really unsuccessful. It's just we didn't really think that far ahead that, wow, we got to down a truck because of the cameras not working. Uh, but these days we have to now. So, so I would say, I would just, sorry, sorry, Matt, I was just going to say those are expensive and frustrating lessons learned. Is that safe to say, Alex? Yeah, definitely, because it's, it's a lot of time and investment. These trucks are not small cars. It's a yeah. lot of work to get these things running. So, so David, I think you asked this question just to like really get me upset and like <laughs> get me to remember a bad uh, situation that happened years ago for us. This so, is not, that, that wasn't my intention, but I'm, I'm listening. I mean, when I saw this one, I was like, they, somebody's really trying to get back at me. So uh, we made the decision. I, I'm going to have the vendor remain nameless, but um, Years ago, we made the decision to do onboard computing, and it was before the technology was really up to the standards. You know, technology changes very quickly, and it was nowhere near the standards it is today. It was a wired system. Uh, we made the decision from, and it was a corporate decision. So there were two things that happened. One is that the company and the person that represented the equipment uh, and, and knew the equipment very well uh, left that company about two months after we made the decision to move forward. And after that happened, and, and really he was kind of the guru behind everything, the deployment and the installation and everything failed. Uh, the, entire, the entire project really failed once that employee left. So that, that was one part of the problem. And then the second part of the problem is we did not have the buy-in from our drivers. And that might sound a little crazy, but um, we really didn't talk to them much about it. And it was a, a, a one of our local Teamsters uh, uh, organizations. And it really became a, uh, it was not a very good uh, rollout with them either. And they were very much against, they thought we were spying on them and all this other stuff. So our culture, our driver culture and our, our employee culture was not ready for that. Even though we thought we were from a corporate standpoint, uh, our culture for the drivers who, who do the work every day, they were not ready and we did not deploy it good with them either. So the project was an epic fail and thank you for bringing up that bad memory.
Listen, I don't want I don't want to bring up bad memories here, but those are those are perfect examples. Listen, it might it might not have been the technology that failed. You you just think about some of these projects. There's people. There's culture. There's yeah. motivation. You know, you have you get some people that have pushback, and the project is destined to fail. So that might speak to the the high percentages of statistic that I quoted there. You know, I was thinking about uh, COVID here and. What, and one of the challenges that I often hear from business owners is is how they handle the shortage of drivers or the inability to retain drivers. You know, I, I'm up in Canada, but when I drive past waste companies, I often see that sign, drivers wanted. And I was just wondering if technology could potentially pay, play a role in attracting drivers or even retaining drivers. And Alex, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, Um most of well most of the stuff uh for me is in the maintenance department the the drivers we do uh try to take care of the best we can with the safety features that we give them um all the technology like we we our safety department will find tools to help them load cans better and safer and things of that nature just to keep everything smooth but um as far as like the role of technology i don't see it as a huge role as it did maybe 10 plus years ago uh, a lot of companies back in the day had a hard time probably implementing new technologies and they were all in their early stages. So they probably weren't working the best, but now everything is improved. Everything is, every other company is on the same wave of implementing technology. And it's not really a deal breaker, I would say, to bring, attract new uh, technicians. And I'm talking about maintenance departments so far. Okay. But it's, it's not really a deal breaker because you probably can't go to a shop right now and not find a shop laptop or a truck with a camera on it. It's just, it's the go-to these days. Um, the technology that we do have and that we're continuing to improve on, it does allow us to offer uh, more training for the guys when they come in. So we get a lot of guys fresh out of school and some of these items are um, geared towards waste industry, like the CNG trucks, uh, we have like the the scales on the trucks and all these safety stuff that we put on it. Those those aren't in a lot of other fields. So the high schools and the colleges don't have the resources to teach all that type of stuff. So we get the guys in here and we, we start training them and send them to school for CNG or tank inspections. Um, we'll go and go to a scale class for repairing scales. And that's how we use the technology to uh, try to attract them, but try to keep them here and give them everything they need to succeed here. Um, that's that's mostly geared towards the maintenance department. Um, the drivers, though, like I said, we do offer a lot of safety and tools for them to better do their job. But if I'm if I'm stepping in as, in a driver's shoes and I'm looking at two different companies that I'm going to work for, I think I'm going to gravitate to the one that's embraced technology, is more in tune. It just shows the commitment from the company. Is that safe to say? Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the new drivers coming in. Um, we a little while ago we used to have manual roll-offs, uh, you know, a handful of them. We actually had to just go to automatic because it's harder to find drivers that can drive both. It's easier just get the automatic. You get a driver in here and he can get in the truck and go. Um, and we are we do hold the drivers to a strict safety. Uh, so if we get new drivers in, they probably will see that and yeah, we'll be more attractive to this company. Hey David, if yes. I could chime in on this subject relative to the driver shortage that I know we all are feeling and experiencing. I happened to see an interview this weekend talking about how AI is going to affect um, 
CDL drivers in the future. I don't know if any of the others of you saw this, but it talked about a company in Tucson, Arizona called Too Simple, T-U Simple, that has over a billion dollars worth of semis loaded with AI that are driverless semi trucks today. And while that it's it would be easy to say, well, that's great for over the road stuff. I think it's only a matter of time until someone figures out how to bring some of that technology and marry it up with the other pieces of ours. For example, imagine for a moment if all of the young kids today that are sitting home in their basements playing whatever game, Fortnite or something else, suddenly had the ability to um, drive the world's largest RC vehicle, and it's a front-load truck. Yeah. And they, yeah. you know, you had AI technology that let it drive itself, <clears> and, <throat> and someone that grew up with today's gaming industry could control the arms and things to open corrals, yeah. dump boxes, do that. I, I think if nothing else, as AI affects the over-the-road industry, it may open the door for more drivers for hours. Yeah. But I do believe it's only a matter of time until that technology evolves to change the game for us. Hey, Bill, just just hitting on that, uh, I know with Caterpillar here locally, uh, they're working with uh, waste management right now. They have a couple pilots out there at a few of the landfills where they're operating the heavy equipment from an office in uh, Arizona, Tucson, for instance, and they could be operating in a landfill in Ohio. Uh, they do have that technology. They are working on that right now. I have seen it in action at their uh, proving grounds and how they do it. I mean, it's truly incredible. Uh, and and you think about uh, how that's going to impact our waste industry. We really do need that technology sooner rather than later because we're all struggling with the same thing with uh, less people that want to do these jobs. So it's going to be a very difficult. It's difficult now, but it's even going to be harder in the next five to ten years. Absolutely. I, I, I will say on that as well, especially as a predominantly residential company, you know, the, the one question I always have on that, it's it's fun to watch it and see how it's progressing, but I'm going to need some help on my sales pitch going to a neighborhood and saying, hey, we're going to put this driverless truck yeah. in your neighborhood where these kids play in your street. So yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, uh, you know, truthfully, the safety piece of that really evolves. And, you know, I'm rooting for it because I think, as, as everybody said, it, it'll, it'll definitely help the industry. But I think especially out of the gate, I, I, I don't know if I want to be the uh, the uh, first one to uh, have one of those trucks running through one of my neighborhoods. So it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Yeah, fair enough. And Bill, you were uh, you basically preempted one of my questions here. I was just going to talk about if you had that elusive crystal ball in hand, what do you see as the future for technology and, and what excites you most about the future of technology? So I think you just spoke to one point of potential automation um and even talked about a driverless with driverless garbage truck is there anything else out there that you see coming down the pipe you know um i i think for me um and our business i i do think that the the ai component is going to be a game changer not just for waste it's already affecting banking um again the industry i, I i've been in for 32 years it's it's changing whether we realize it or not you know Alex and I both mentioned earlier software that we both have in our companies to allow our our techs to be able to do things that previously we would have had to take in our trucks to a dealership to address. And and so as technology continues to evolve and the pace of change in that industry is much more rapid today than it was three years ago, five years ago, or even 10 years ago, it, it's, it's going to continue to make our lives easier. But 
in the meantime, I think the industry is in what I'll call the tweener stage. We're in that ugly stage of um, preteen years where we've been around for a long time, but our industry is still controlled by a lot of old timers that that all believe, well, that's not the way we do it in this industry. And you throw out technology, ah, it's never going to work. I think of what Alex was saying with the tech, the safety stuff. And and my son works for one of the largest companies in our industry. And, and he's always talking about their safety things and the things that they do. And some of the folks at our family business will grumble, ah, we don't need to do that. Well, you know what? Actually, we do. And and it's that that evolution revolution as the industry is evolving there's always that component of old school and maybe those resistant to change that are revolting against it a little bit and as you're evolving over here and you've got the the uh revolters when they bump hopefully the evolutionary side wins and you get way better for it but in the meantime you have to go through the pain of change okay very good matt i just want to I know, I know we're bumping up on our time here, but I just value your opinion on this question as well, and then we'll wrap things up here, okay? Yeah, um, you know, for us, uh, I think my biggest concern, we've got over 300 CDL drivers, and uh, the pool is becoming less and less, and then when you compete with the national companies, uh, they typically can pay more, they have better benefits. Um, so we do need to uh, work as an industry, not only on the technology side, but we also need to work from the grassroots level and try to focus on trade schools and try to get people interested still in this industry. It's a great industry. I think the other thing, that, the other big trend that's happening is that you're seeing more female drivers. Uh, I know Republic just stated it in one of their uh, press releases. I've talked to their people. Uh, that's a that's a different way of uh, a new person entering the the workforce that we have not had before. So uh, the the waste industry it is old school, Bill. You said it correct. I mean I argued with my father this morning about our need to change our HR process and how we, we do hiring. I, we're a very reactive uh, culture and, and industry. We always have been. And we have to be proactive in everything we do these days because uh, we're not reaching the audience we need to reach. So, um, But I, I think for us, um, you know, we're, we're a landfill first company. We always have been and we do a lot of collection. But uh, we are looking at technologies on uh we're looking at solar power we're looking at wind power we're looking at other technologies that complement our business and try to make us um you know is is kind of that full environmental company uh that you can be and uh you know technologies even on the recycling end more automation you name it so we're trying to be lean and mean to compete uh for the next uh four generations if we can against those national guys and keep uh, our family business going well, I see that you have the team behind you to we fill do. those boots, right? <laughs> That's right. Listen, gentlemen, I wanted to say I really enjoyed uh, spending time with you. I wanted to thank you for your time and sharing your value perspectives here. Uh, to both our audience and panel members, I, I want to wish everyone's family a safe and good health and cross fingers that we'll be face-to-face -face in Las Vegas next year. All right? I'm going to wrap things up, and I, I want to, again, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you.